What's up, guys? My name is Barn Saunders, and you're listening to the Sunday Recovery Podcast. Thanks for tuning in today, guys. And on this podcast, we will be talking about recovery in the broadest, most general sense possible. Recovery is so much more than just getting over something. Whether that be drugs, loss, physical injury, or mental health, the principles of recovery can be applied to all areas of life. And in this podcast, we're going to be focusing on everything and anything that can cause struggles in life or cause great success in life, and how to navigate through the good and the bad times, as well as getting on the path of recovery from any and all setbacks or choices that may have led you down the wrong path. Another thing I want to emphasize is recovery is a constant progression forward. And what that means is recovery doesn't ever end. You can recover from something and then always fall right back to where you were. That's why in recovery, and especially here on the Sunday Recovery Podcast, you won't hear us talk about how to recover and be finished. Recovery is always pushing forward and striving for betterment, even when the original reason for starting recovery is no longer a factor in your daily life. See how you are as an interviewer or uh, host here. <laughs> totally. And we're live, dude. What's up, Andrew? Live. Thanks for having me, brother. Yes, sir. Dude, thanks for coming on the pod, man. It's been a long time coming. I know. We've been talking about it for a minute. And uh, my energy is at an all-time high today, so... Nice. I'm going to rock it. Hell yeah, right on. You work out today? You know the answer to that question. <laughs> yes, bro. of course. And I finally did today. Well, I... You could say I worked out yesterday. I hit cardio yesterday. Listen, as long as you're moving and sweating, like, it's all good. Um, as long as you're doing something and keeping, like, the metabolism up. No. Sometimes you need a break, too. You've been going kind of hard, so. Yeah. Yeah, I did a, did a Rhode Island trip with my girlfriend and didn't work out the whole time we were up there, so. It was a nice break. That's how nice you break. know, man, if you're motivated <laughs> or not. I know, I know. I was, uh, I kept, kept telling myself, like, oh, I'll get up and go for a run. But uh, I slept in, man, vacation. Yeah, no, I feel you. When I was, like, cutting and losing weight, like, it didn't matter where I was, I still worked out. Like, I was so, so dedicated, and uh, that's how I got to where I am now, you know? Yeah, Um, yeah. That's how I'm trying to get, man. Working working my way up to it. But, yeah, dude, so once again, man, thanks, uh, thanks for everyone tuning in this Sunday. I got my guy Andrew here with me, and uh, super pumped to have him come on the pod, and you know, share a little bit of his story, share his experience, strength, and hope, and, you know, we'll discuss some of the topics that go along with, you know, what it's like in early recovery, um, discuss relapse, and getting back getting back to the program, that sort of thing as well. Um, but yeah, man, so take it away, dude. I'd love to hear your story. Man, my story, you need about nine hours for that, but we're going <laughs> to condense it into a short story. Today's actually 27 months clean. Dude, hell yes. Congrats, man. That's huge. So two years and three months since I left uh, detox. And that was like my... How many detoxes was that? Double digits lost count, but that was the last time, hopefully forever, that I have to leave a place like that. And uh, my story, you know, I'm not someone who can sit here and be like oh like I started using at like 11 and at 11 I was smoking weed or or doing this and um you know I started like I was an athlete and uh was in like the quote-unquote popular group played sports we curse here or no yeah okay okay um (laughs) and everybody you know was playing sports, like, school was school, everybody, you know, you don't really care about that when you're playing, you know, you do well enough to, like, get accepted into a school you want, if you're not going to get a scholarship for sports, um, so, you know, I had partied a little bit in high school, I didn't even, like, get drunk for the first time until I think I was, like, 16, damn, dude, for a sweet 16, you know the first time I got drunk, (laughs) five years old, (laughs) no, no, not that crazy, first time I got drunk was 12 years old, 12, uh, you know, before then, I'd like, you know, snuck a couple sips of beer here and there. And, uh, you know, it's maybe taking a shot of liquor, sneaking it from, uh, you know, my grandfather's liquor cabinet. Uh, but, dude, when I was 12 years old, a buddy and I, 
Um, you know, that was the first time I drank to get drunk. Um, you know, he kind of, he was like, dude, you ever get drunk? And I was like, yeah, man, all the time, bro. Like trying to act cool, you know, trying to act, trying to act tough or whatever. And he was like, yo, well, I stole this bottle of gin from my dad. Like, yo, let's drink this thing. And it was like a fifth of gin, two 12 year olds <laughs> slammed that thing. And, uh, yeah, man. So the first time I drank to get drunk, like that being the intention, dude, I blacked out, threw up all over the place. It was awful. Uh, but same time, dude, I loved it. <laughs> and first time I smoked weed, I was 13. Yeah. Damn. You got me beat by a few years there, Barnes. <laughs> I did all that stuff in high school. The first time I got drunk was before Sweet 16. Like, you know, yeah. like pregame before Sweet 16. Like, uh, and for where, my, where I'm from, like, everybody had money and they threw, like, ridiculous Sweet 16s. And we would, like, pregame. And the first, that was the first time I got drunk. It was like we had to give like the older kids our order of what liquor we wanted. Right, and then right. They like pulled up to the pregame, like my boy's house, who, who's literally not here anymore because he OD'd. Um, yeah. And uh, I got it was something bananas. I forget the name of the alcohol. Um, it was a number, and then bananas. It's mm. like popular uh, twenty one bananas. I don't even know. But, Must uh, be a New York thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, Dude, in Maryland we got uh, MD twenty twenty. I, and that's probably not a Maryland thing either. I but never heard of that. Shit never heard of it. It's like uh, oh, it's disgusting, dude. But I used we used to drink them all the time in high school. It's like flavored wine almost. Flavored um, wine, like yeah. Like they had a they had a blueberry one, like an orange one, a green one. They were all different colors, uh, but it was it was one of the go tos in high school. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I was like forever scarred from that. Like I remember my, uh, I liked it until like. You when I was like in the room and I didn't even I thought I was like in another planet and then I just blacked out and threw up and the, my uh, my boy's mom drove me back to my dad and stepmom where like she was like oh he's just got really sick like covering for me it was really funny and then I <laughs> I like tried smoking weed at parties and then um, but nothing crazy and like senior year a couple of my friends were starting to get into like Roxy's and certain pills and. I wasn't really into that, but, like, here or there, like, I would, like, do a little bump of a Roxy and get fucked up, but it was never anything that, like, I really, you know, like, liked enough to, uh, be like, alright, I'm gonna, I wanna buy this myself, and then, uh, I went away to college in upstate New York, UAlbany, it was a big, big, big party school, um, and then I started partying harder, and, like, got into Blow, Molly, like, all those, like, fun party drugs, and, uh, but I was good, man. I graduated with honors, like from business Oof. school. Like I was able. You I went out. Beat there. I went out four <laughs> times a week, man. I, I graduated yeah. with a three five, and uh, you know, like I was still in it. And then, um, so I graduated college. Then I went. Uh, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, and I went overseas and lived in Israel. I was supposed to be there for like two and a half weeks. Wound up meeting an Israeli girl and got a job bouncing at a bar and stayed there for a while. That was a fun experience. And uh, no drugs over there because it's very strict and just, just drinking and partying and shit. But uh, they came back and how old was I? Like 22? And I got a job in like the car business, which is like grind, 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 like sales, 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 sales solely yeah. commission. Like I think they paid us like two hundred dollars a week, and I'm like very good at sales. I was making like a shit ton of money for my age. Like I had like ten thousand dollar months at like twenty two, twenty three. Yeah, so I was like crushing it, and then uh, I wound up uh, meeting somebody at work. So I'd always worked out and I had hurt myself in the gym. I literally couldn't even fucking move my lower back. And he was always fucked up. So I like, and I wanted to feel better and I knew to go to him and he wound up getting me like my own Roxy, which is like 30 milligram where you just sniff it. And, uh, damn, I took it then, I like sniffed it and I felt so amazing, like so amazing. And I was like, I I already like talking to people, but when I was on that shit on opiates, like it was like I was Superman, you know, like it was phenomenal. And uh, I took one, and it was like whatever, like I was fine for a couple of days. And then the guy hooked me up with like the doctor, and then it was like a fucking disaster. Um, yeah. yeah, but so what was it like? Like a sus doctor, like dirty type of doctor. Super sus. <laughs> 
That was uh, yeah. 2012. So, dude, what uh, what did you do to your back? Like, do you know what it was? Yeah, I like sometimes it flares up. Still, it's like yeah, if I'm really? doing um, my form is better nowadays. But uh, oh, okay, like if I think I was doing like bent over rows, and when I was pulling up, my I was like fatigued. So my back just kind of gave out and I, my, my spine was like sideways like I couldn't oh, could barely shit. walk for three days and I, and I had to work and like I couldn't do it and then yeah. I got that shit and like I felt phenomenal um but yeah I, I've done that a few times since like a couple times in recovery too luckily I haven't thought about like using I just have to get through it yeah um so yeah then I you know one led to another and it was every day and the habit was there and like I was functioning I had a lot of money at that point so I was able to function on them um fine and let's see how long was it I think two three years function normal right and then the money runs out right your habit gets so large like my habit became like a hundred hundred twenty dollars a day so like Yeah. That adds up, you know, and then one of my other friends from high school who's also no longer here because he died of an overdose, um, we were, like, cool at that point, and uh, he's like, well, why don't you just, like, try dope, you know? It's, like, uh, it's like it's a lot cheaper, and it will last longer, and, like, it's funny because I blamed him for so long for, like, getting me into that shit, but he was knee-deep in the addiction, and the way he saw it was, like, shit, if I get him on it, like, I, I can overcharge him, and it's still cheaper for him, and I can make free, free dope, you know what yeah. I mean? And then I did that. Dude, so when, when you first, uh, like, when you first cob dope, at that point, were you just buying the pills on the street? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. the doctor thing was over, I had, like, yeah. met, um, I had got the plug of the, my co-worker, the yeah. original one, and, uh, I was, like, a 65-year-old guy, and, uh, mm-hmm. in the hood of Long Island, and, um, then I was just paying like cash price and buying a bunch and doing it every single day and like sneaking out of work and this and that and uh, it just became too much because at that point I had moved out like I had my own place like a new car at least like everything was like good on that end and um, so I tried dope and I was like damn and I just sniffed it at that point and I'm like fuck this was only ten dollars and this lasted me like three hours like. The other one, I needed, like, two at a time, and that was $60, and it would last me, like, four or five hours. So I'm like, all right, this seems more cost-efficient. But then I was, like, very hesitant because I was like, well, real drug addicts do dope. You know, I'm just like, I got a pill problem. <laughs> like, I'm not really uh, an addict. It's just, like, a short-term issue, yeah. even though, like... That's sick. Thank you, man. Dude, I, I used to think the same way. I would, I would justify what I was doing, saying, like, oh, well, I'm not, I'm not shooting dope. But I was crushing up pills that I knew were fake and had fentanyl in them, and I was snorting them. Yeah, it's crazy. So, but but yeah, man. So I can I can relate to that for sure. It's it's crazy the type of rationalizations that we that we tell ourselves during active addiction. It's like sickening. You know how yeah. I like really knew because I always had them. I always had the money, right? And then I had a five day trip to Vegas, and I snuck some on the plane with some other shit, and then they ran out, and then like. When I woke up the next morning, it was like my second or third day in Vegas. I was so sick, and like I still couldn't connect it that it was the opiates. Damn. And th- that was the worst two days like of my life in Vegas, super hot in June, and like I couldn't do anything. We already party for two, three days. Like I was like mixing lines of like blow and Adderall, and just like ripping it, and then everything came crashing down. And then I came back. I'm like, oh shit. And then. Uh, yeah, long story short, like, I went to a million rehabs and then met somebody at rehab and they introduced me to the needle in 2016, and then those few years were real, real bad, where, like, stories that are just, uh, not even, like, being clean for a little while, the stories aren't even believable to me anymore that I used to do that stuff, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, I think, like, relapse is a huge part of, like, my story, and I've relapsed many times, but like we said in the beginning, 27 months, so it's been, it's been a little, little while, you know? Oh, Here yeah. we are now. Oh, yeah. And now I live in uh, Northern Virginia, you know? 
Yes, sir. Dude, it's fucking amazing, man. Seriously. That shit is... You don't even oh, know no, man. me you give, you give me hope every day, dude. Yeah, you don't even know... It's crazy. Nobody down here knows me. Like, they're yeah. using me. You know what I mean? They only know... And they know, like, to clean me with, like, a little bit of time. Because I had over a year when I came down here. You know, right. I think I had, like, a year and a half. So everybody, like, just knows, like, the good side of Andrew. And, like, the one who did a lot of self-work and steps and, like transformed his like physical mental well-being and his confidence like i was so different man. i was such a fucking scumbag and we come a long way we definitely do man we definitely do dude that's that's a wild story man i, I really appreciate you sharing that dude for real and tons of stuff in there i can relate to um especially you know the whole progression um and and realizing it like you know, that, that, that kind of moment of clarity when you first, you know, you first got sick and finally was able to put two and two together. Um, dude, for me, I, I remember, uh, I remember I was, uh, I was getting, you know, like starting to go through withdrawals and shit for a while before I even like connected the dots. <laughs> um, and the way it happened for me, man, I was, uh, I was in college park and, you know, I'd, I'd been out going super hard the night before, you know, out to like 3am and then blacked out, passed out. Um, and I woke up the next morning to my alarm, um, and realized like, oh shit, I have to, I have to be at work, like coming up here at 9am. And, um, I just felt awful. And so I did what I always did when I had something to do the next morning, I, you know, tore my room apart looking for the quarter stick of Xanax <laughs> that I hid from myself the night before, before I blacked out and I took it. And, uh, this, this was the, the first time that I had been at work the next morning and that I, I was, was feeling amazing, you know, like felt totally fine. Like didn't have any issues at all. Wasn't hungover, wasn't sick anymore. And, uh, and one of my friends was, was, we worked the same job. It was, it was actually a sales job. It was a sales job for a, uh, for like, a exterior remodeling company oh, shit, <laughs> so so we we're selling like you know like siding windows stopping doors. people in costco like <laughs> no bro it was door to door door to door door to door dude Damn. it was first and only time i've ever done door to door so the last like time that. yeah probably the last time yeah, i wasn't big tough. into it no, but it um terrible. but dude so one of my boys he you know he worked that job with me and and he had been out with me the night before and uh, he was like, dude, like, how are you not hung over, man? Like, he was like, kept saying like, oh, man, I feel like I'm about to throw up. Like, he was so tired, like didn't make, didn't get any leads that yeah, morning. Yeah. Um, and dude, I was just killing it. Got like five leads that morning. And, uh, and he was just like, dude, like, I don't understand how you're hung over. And I told him, I was like, yeah, I took a quarter bar of Xanax this morning. Like, and he was like, dude, what the fuck are you taking Xanax? And for him. You know, he didn't have the tolerance that I had to, like, a quarter stick of Xanax. Yeah, yeah, that shit would put him out. And, uh, you know, he was, like, so shocked at the fact that I was on Xanax at 9 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> and uh, and that's kind of when it hit me that I was like, oh, shit. The reason why I've, like, started taking Xanax early in the morning every morning is because if I don't, I'm going to get seriously sick. Um, and it was it was shocking, man, like, realizing that that I had built up that sort of uh, that sort of tolerance where something that would put someone else out or like make someone else super fucked up, you know, would just get me to like a base level. Um, it was it was shocking, but psh, nowhere near enough for me to to do anything about it at nah, the time. And it's funny you say that, like, uh, pe- like looking back and like talking to people while I was using, they like would be shocked, like you're doing that right now, or like. Bro, if you're using and you're addicted and you have a physical dependence, like, it doesn't matter if it's fucking 9 a.m., yeah. midnight, 4 a.m., and it didn't matter if I was in, like, my grandma's bathroom. Like, I should, I straight up did that shit at a funeral of a friend who overdosed. I had to go and in the bathroom do. and do dope because I was sick and I needed to, like, get better and yeah. be, like, my normal self, which was me on drugs. That's the insanity of active addiction, man. I mean, it's a little scary and, like, yeah. disgusting, but yeah. uh, even just, like, you know, the, the times where I, like, would tell people I wasn't using, and then my mom, like, recently she showed me videos, she would, I was, like, so fucked up on fentanyl, like, nodding out and literally talking to myself, and she would take videos of me, and uh, I, like, would be nodding out, and then I would, like, come to and see the camera, and be like, what the fuck are you doing? You scare me? Like, why are you taking a video? 
She told me she just went. So I had her send me one because I can see, I can look at it and it's yeah. fine. But like, literally, like zombie land. I wasn't oh, yeah. even. I was like telling myself stories and having full on conversations with myself, and but like, stand up, like nodding out and like coming to and. It's just, and the fact that I used to drive like that is the even more insane part, you know? Sanity, bro. Very lucky, lucky to like never have killed somebody else. Like I've, I've totaled a lot of Dude, cars. Dude, I think about that all the time, man. Um, how many cars you total? Um, I've only totaled one. Three. Three, damn. Yeah, and I've been in multiple accidents and I've gotten away with a lot of shit. Like damn. I was very fortunate to know like a lot of police officers and they knew I was like a good kid just tangled up in the wrong life and mm. and like I've had the, the stories that I could tell like I was uh, <laughs> in so deep with everything like I'm I always talk about this because I'm very like uh, upfront with it but I, I remember I got pulled over and uh, the cop like wanted me to like be an informant right and I, at first I said no and I was really sick one time, and then I texted the cop, and I was like, and this person had just sold shit to kill my friend. Damn. And, like, then I want to be in, like, a fucking snitch, you know, and inform for a little bit. And the only reason I did it was because I, one, because of my friend. Well, that would be two. But one, because, like, I knew that I could finagle free shit out of that. Mm. And, like, the way it was set up, like, I could go in and, like, work something out like and then get free shit and then i got like in deep with that and shit got crazy with that and then i was like yo i am just like what are, what are we doing over here you know and um yeah the cars the that and then like i got kidnapped in mexico once and... damn dude <laughs> <laughs> jesus dude tell tell me about that bro you never told me about that no before. i never told you that no, dude. yeah Listen, I got a lot of stories, man. They can all be validated. Um, so it was 2016, right? When I, like, had uh, done dope for a while. And then, like, in the matter of months doing doing dope, I uh, got my car repoed. Like, lost my apartment, lost everything, moved back to my mom's, had nothing, lost my job. And I was like, fuck. And my friend had lived in San Diego. He's like, listen, like, you can come out here, stay with me for a couple weeks, get straight, and, like, stay here and find a place. So I did that. Like, two weeks with him. I didn't use any opiates but I was still drinking and doing molly and coke so I wasn't clean at all and uh one night I had friends in New York from New York visiting (laughs) and there was like this phenomenal strip club slash brothel in Tijuana Mexico and it was only 30 minutes from where I was at so I had convinced my friends I'm like I've been here so many times to Mexico I had never even crossed the border and I convinced them (laughs) and uh we were like doing blow and shit and then (laughs) We met these other dudes from San Diego at the border, and they were like, oh, we're going to Hong Kong, too, and they, like, wanted to party. So we get to this place. When I tell you it was, like, a zoo slash video game slash the shit that I saw going on in this, like, strip club, I've never seen anything like it in my whole entire life to this day. Get to a table. These, like, kids we're with wind up, like, working out a deal and buying blow off of the, uh, the bouncers. So we're just at the club doing it at the table. They said it was cool, and then... Five, ten minutes later, the Mexican police come in, right? They made us pay them all off. It wasn't a lot. It was like $20 a person. And so we thought we were, like, good. And then they took the money, and then they, like, grabbed us and, like, took us out back. And they, like, they weren't speaking any English on purpose. And then they threw us in the back of these, like, pickup trucks, right? So we're thinking we're going to jail, but it's a little sus because it's not, like, marked cars. And, uh... So then the drivers get out, it was dark, couldn't see shit, and they're just like, not police, and not in police uniforms, right? And I looked at my friend, I'm like, by the way, I've never been to Mexico before, this is my first Holy time. shit, dude, your friend was like, <laughs> Yo, yes, so I was oh like, I have God, no dude, idea what's going to happen, I told him, but I'm like, if we get out of it, and like, it's cool, like, I owe you big time. But I don't know if we're going to get out of this, because this is Mexico, and I feel like this is cartel related, and... So they drove us, they blindfolded us, drove drove us to, like, the desert. Literally, we're, like, trying to get us to call family and get money wired. And then they realized that wasn't going to happen. So they, like, stripped us, took phone, wallet, everything, keys, everything. And after, like, an hour and a half of, like, completely fucking with us, they um, just left us in the desert. 
Damn. with nothing. So we had a walk and walk, and then we found a town. People helped us. Like the U.S. Embassy got involved. Like it was some crazy shit. Holy shit, yeah. dude! And uh, dude, <laughs> was this shit on the news? No. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's uh, crazy, dude. Yeah. So shit. Holy shit. Yeah, I got out of it, and then like you would think at that point I'd be like, oh shit, like I'm a little wild right, right. now, but right. I continued to like drink and party, and then I went back to New York and like met up with that old friend and went took the train to New York City on uh, July 4th and then on the way back dude's got like a wad of cash and I knew he was like in deep with everything I'm like yo you're selling give me the shit right now and then I started to use it dope again um damn yeah he, that guy he, he's he's dead he nodded out I told I told you about this was recently and like yeah, crash, crash into a retreat yeah, yeah. But yes, yeah, so a lot of wild ass stories. That's why now, man, I just drive in the right lane and be chilling <laughs> and just uh, yeah, man. keep to myself. Dude, it's one of uh, I don't know. It's I always I always get grateful when uh, when I see a police officer, right? Because my first thought when I see a police officer now, unless I'm speeding, which I'm still, you know, I'm trying to work on the speeding tip. But uh, you know, my first thought isn't like, oh shit, like if I get pulled over right now, I'm fucked. Um, whereas like that was exactly what I thought anytime I saw a police officer when I was driving. Um, Scary, right? Even if yeah, you were just dude. chilling in a parking lot, yeah. waiting for somebody who's so sketchy and Sketch. like now sometimes I'll be in a parking lot and I'll just be like on my phone or doing something and like, I'm not even thinking about it. Exactly. It's just like yeah. normal. And then I look around and I'm like, damn, I was sketched out all the time. Like people just chill in parking lots all the time. It's like when you have like that paranoia and like yeah, you're very dude. involved and, and drugs and addiction but yeah, now don't have to deal with that my friend no sir no sir never gotta go back to that bro you never have to get kidnapped again bro I that's fucking absurd hope not. that's absurd dude yeah i don't you know i definitely don't have any kidnapping stories <laughs> not that man. people do bro <laughs> that's fucking crazy bro i'm glad you're here dude yeah that was 2016 so made it back from seven that. years ago in june july wow. so seven years yeah wow. yeah yeah i've never been to mexico um, yeah, you don't have I, to go. No, you're not really making it sound too appealing to me. But. <laughs> if you're not going to like party and like yeah. go to like an all inclusive or like yeah. you, it's just not necessary, especially like in recovery. That's people are coming up to you offering you drugs and shit. And Tijuana is like a third world country, and it's just like a whole different world. And yeah. we even have passports. We got across with our licenses, there? New York wow, licenses, and really? they let us. Uh, they questioned us a little bit, but they let us in and they let us back, and it was no issue. Um, they had well we didn't have anything on the way back that was when like yeah. people had to get involved and my family was not too happy about that one but um <laughs> yeah, but no, I mean they were happy I was alive but they were not happy yeah. that I was in that situation totally and, uh, that's wild dude yeah man it was just like a lot of shit overdoses just uh crazy crazy times that's why now it's like I just stay healthy Hit the gym, eat right. Like I'm, I'm, I'm just chilling. I'm very calm, you know, because I've done yeah. all the wild shit. Just yeah. like stay involved, dude. I love how you say that, um, calm, man. Because when I first got clean, dude, one of my, uh, you know, one of my biggest, and it's, it still can be today, um, but one of my biggest triggers was uh, boredom, like big time. Oh yeah. And you know, I still have moments uh, today where I'm like. Damn, like compared to what my life used to be like, boring. Like my life is boring <laughs> now. But um, but someone, someone in the program, man, someone told me once, um, you know, you need to think of it. You know, your life isn't boring now. Your life is peaceful. Your life is calm. So I love the way you said well, that. Well, they say so. like the it's like the cliche line, right? Yeah. That's like your best day in active addiction is. I think it's like it's not as good as your worst day in recovery yeah something like that. i've heard that yeah which I've is true because it's like i'm going through a bunch of shit right now you know moving like my job's crazy like uh girls just everything and like last night i was just like i had a lot of shit going on i was like all fucked up and then i was like had to get real grateful real quick like yo this shit like I'm not dope sick, like, having to get some shit right now, or I don't have to, like, wake up for work and, like, wonder how I'm going to get through, like, because going to work sick, man, like, uh, every minute that passes feels like an hour, and, like, you just can't function. Now, it's just, like, we don't do any of that. We wake up and go to the gym, and we start the day off on a positive note, and, like, I don't let shit bother me, you know what I mean? Like, it, it takes a lot to bother me. 
Yes, sir. We calm and peaceful over here. We meditate every night. <laughs> Until I go to sleep. Oh yeah. Dude, that's how I go to sleep too, man. I, I love meditation. I have to. Yeah. I have to like hear some noise of the fan meditation and just like yeah. calm my mind. Man, I'm going to sleep at like if I'm not doing shit. Dude, you go to sleep so fucking early, bro. <laughs> People know with me, like, yeah, don't reach out to me after 8 p.m. because I'm not answering the phone. Yeah. You know, unless it's like an emergency. Yeah, I think you answered the phone once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After yeah, 8 p.m., yeah. what yeah. I call it. I'm talking to people all day with work, like, people in recovery, like, my own clients for training and nutrition. And that time for me, like, before I pass out, is just like chill. Like, I just need to decompress and then I have no problem, like, waking up. I always tell people, I'm like, you want to talk to me? Call me at 6 in the morning. And people are like, nah, I'm good with that. I'm, I'm good like, on that. All one. right, well, fair enough. Yeah, dude. Yeah, bro, I definitely, uh, man, I'm, you know, I like to say I'm for sure an insomniac, bro. I struggle to go to sleep. Like, you know, I'll, you know, I'll stay up. I don't know. Usually I'm in bed trying to go to sleep at midnight. Um, but then I have to like lay there and like really focus on my breathing, focus on meditating. Were like, you overthinking? Feels night? like for a while I have to do that stuff before I finally drift off. Um, Is your mind racing? It's yeah, my mind's racing, but it's not really about any one thing in particular. Um, I think I'm just my body has been adjusted for so long to staying up so late. Um, you gotta force yourself to get into a new routine. Yeah, like it's the only I definitely thing. Do. I I think of it like in early recovery. I I didn't sleep normal and right. I remember the one thing because I'm a big nap guy because I wake up so early. <laughs> like if I'm not working, yeah, like yeah. I could not take a nap for like four or five months. Yeah. it was insane. And then when I finally was able to take a nap, I'm like, whoa, I'm back, back <laughs> being an old man, and uh, in just sleeping too. It took so long to get into like a healthy sleep. And you're just up, bored, and, like, you're just, like, shit, I have 30 days clean, but right now some, like, dope would just put me right to sleep. Or even, like, a Xanax. Like, I, would yeah. get, I love Xanny right now. I would just... They I, they never did shit for me, but, like, if I needed to sleep, like, I knew oh, yeah. Xanny would... Benzos would put you out. Yeah, dude. Yeah, it's uh, it's been getting better for me now. Um, but, yeah, it was it was so bad. Like, uh, in, in early recovery for me this time around when I first got clean, it was, like... Bro, I'd be up to, like, 3 a.m. on the regular. Um, and, like, even now, like, I'll probably, I don't know, I'll probably be asleep by 1 almost every night. But it's still, like, that's that's kind of late. And it's it's less so about the time for me. Like, whether I go to sleep at 1 or whether I go to sleep at, like, 10.30, I still feel like I'll be laying awake in bed for a while before I finally drift off. Um, and I'll, I'll drink, like, chamomile tea Take like valerian root, melatonin, but I don't really like melatonin that much. Yeah, just because it makes me groggy. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, but like you know, and, and that sort of stuff helps. But the the best thing that's been helping me more and more is just really trying to meditate more, um, especially in the evenings. You can um, meditate like, you could also read. You need you need yeah, to yeah that too. To fall Reading always puts me of, to sleep. I don't really do this much now, just because I'm available for my like clients. At, at all times pretty much but like i used to go on airplane mode like from eight o'clock on yeah and just like disconnect from the phone uh i would like play xbox for a little bit just get my mind distracted or like watch something for a little bit and i i do i i fall like right to sleep it's i wake up throughout the night a couple times but it's usually like i wake up and like i have to pee and i'm like trying not to get up and then i'm like Fuck, I gotta get up. <laughs> dude that's the fucking worst right <laughs> try to go back to sleep but you gotta and like you try back. to piss quick enough where you're still groggy and tired yeah, where you yeah. can just like run back and just like go right back to sleep and then i do that but that i wake up dude no alarm i wake up before, wow, before six every day no alarm like my that's body crazy. is just straight conditioned for that and wow. it's a lot better easier now that like it's summer it's just gonna be summer and it's getting light out at 5 45 yeah, in the morning yeah. you want to be up at that time totally like what the fuck happens after like 9 10 p.m anyway are we gonna watch like a netflix show yeah. or like that's exactly what i do <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah okay it's exactly cool. what my girlfriend and i do and, like we uh, watch shows distract yourself a little bit but i have more done by 9 a.m and i don't say this in a cocky way but like i have more done by 9 a.m than most people will have all day, you know? And, like, that's right, something right. that I pride myself in. I'm big into the routine, and I'm definitely one of those, like, assholes who's like, oh, you wake up at 7.30? Like, <laughs> it's a fucking afternoon for me. 
<laughs> yeah, bro. I know. You've been trying to get me to start waking up at 5 a.m. for a while, dude. I told you. I'm like, getting close, Do it like I'm, three I'm, days in a row and yeah. see the difference in your life for those three days. And you're going to be like, wow, this is, uh, I mean, all successful people, like, they wake up early. Yeah, that is, that they're is not what I've heard. Until eight, nine o'clock or seven. Yeah. They're waking up. That's what they're I've getting heard. shit done, and like they're having like their yeah. day planned out. Dude, know? one one thing I will say is I'm most productive in like the first few hours when I wake up, um, like big time. Um, like you know that like from right when I get to probably the mornings at work, like from like eight to twelve, like get ton, ton more done than than usually in the afternoon. Today was an anomaly, bro. I'm mad busy at work right now. It was <laughs> nonstop grinding today, dude. But I'm here for it, man. It's the type of stuff. I'm no, it's good. For that's today. when, like, I, yeah. I. That's when I thrive. Honestly, yeah, me too. Dude. Busyness, yeah. like, uh, my, like, I told you, we're opening a new store for my job, and yeah, yeah. My boss is like, I told him because the store's not really open yet, and they were having me over there, and it was like just me, and I was like by myself, like supposed to do all the sales, and I, I'm like, I, I, basically said to him like, my, this is messing up my mental health. I'm not doing this. I went back to my store today and like, boom, like killing it and like busy. And I, sometimes I'll, I'll stop and think when I'm super busy, even like with this amount of clean time, like, damn, like, I'm like fucking like a regular adult now. <laughs> yeah, it's so bro. weird sometimes. Dude, I think about that a lot, man. Yeah. It's such a different shit. life that, uh, that I live today than to like almost two years ago. That's why. You know what? Dude, I, four, coming up in four days, I'll have 22 months. 22 is my lucky number. Hey, there Tat- you go. Tattooed on me. I used to be in parking lots, right? Waiting for the dope man. And, like, look at people just, like, living their life and doing normal things and just be like, wow, like, these people, like, I want to do that. Or they're like, they're doing this and just, like, living life. They have no idea that I'm just sick right now waiting for drugs and this is my whole life. Like, Damn. I have to get these drugs and, like, once I do that, then I can function and my functioning, like, I didn't do shit. I would, like, play video games, watch TV, not out, or, like, eat a bunch of chocolate and, uh, that's it. And now it's, like, go, 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 go. And sometimes it gets overwhelming, but I'd rather this than the, uh, the alternative, you know? Of course. Of course. Yeah, dude, bro, on that... On that same uh, that same concept of like seeing other people like you know like being functioning productive members of society and you know it's what appears to be you know purposeful busy lives, um, dude. I'll I'll never forget. I was uh, I think it was freshman year of college, uh, first semester for me freshman year of college. We we have a different college experience for sure. I did not <laughs> I did not complete it all in one you know consistent run. I had to take a semester off. Um, to, you know, to get clean before I was able to go back. Um, and, uh, but yeah, so freshman year of college, um, I remember tripping acid and being, uh, being on the roof of my dorm building. Um, and me and my buddy had been tripping acid all night long. Um, and like we had class and shit and like shit to do the next day. You know, it was like, I think it was like a random day. Um, like I think it was like a Tuesday night, bro. (laughs) And, uh, and so I remember like, we started seeing the sunrise and we were like still like really like like tripping hard like on on the come down but still tripping and uh and so we were chilling on the roof watching the sunrise and then we started seeing people going to the gym like our campus gym that was right by our dorm and like people like you know dressed like getting ready to go to class and stuff and and we're just (laughs) sitting on the roof tripping acid and we're like holy shit dude what time is it and we look and it's like 6 6 30 a.m and we're like oh fuck there's no way we're gonna do anything for the yeah. rest of the day like we you know when we came down from that we both just passed out and slept for like I the next nine ten never hours done acid, so i don't know yeah it's uh it's, it's different bro acids it's a different i breed. stayed away from the hallucinogens yeah that was the one thing i, I had uh i definitely had a big hallucinogen phase dude and it's yeah you saw god's god right <laughs> yeah bro yeah dude that's that's why i like uh i like you know kind of going into my past with hallucinogens because it's uh i don't know i like getting honest about how i used to justify it by like telling myself that it was a spiritual experience um, so like when I, from like the time, I don't know, the first, like the first time I tripped acid, we were in the woods camping Shenandoah River Valley and it was beautiful. And like, you know, I didn't go with the intention of like, oh, this is going to be, 
you know, I'm just going to go get fucked up. That wasn't my intention. I wanted to have a spiritual... You were going to speak to the creator. <laughs> yeah, exactly, dude. And uh, and that's how it was for me for a little while. Um, you know, I had trip acid or mushrooms in, like, the woods, the mountains, the beach, um, you know, and, and I would space it out a lot, didn't do it too often, um, and every time I would, like, reach a new level of enlightenment. And, like, this is the shit I used to tell myself, bro, like... And, uh, and then, you know, you know, as my addiction progressed and I started, you know, you know, through all, all this time of experimenting with hallucinogens, I was, I was doing everything else too. And like going hard with all that shit. Um, and then it started really getting to the point where whatever I could get the most fucked up on that was readily available or the easiest for me to get my hands on, that's what I would just do. Um, so it got to the point where. You know, I'd be in a, in uh there's this bar in College Park called RJ Bentley's and it's just like a classic college yeah, dive yeah, bar. Yeah. So next thing you know, I was in the this fucking dive bar, like off multiple tabs of acid, just trying to like talk to a girl or like talk to my boys and like couldn't hold a conversation. Everything in the room is melting <laughs> and fucking crazy, uh crazy hallucinations. Um and I remember just taking a step like, whoa, like how in any way, shape, or form is this spiritual enlightenment? Um, and I don't know. I don't know if that was the moment, but you know, I, that was definitely when I realized that I was, uh, you know, hallucinogens were just like any other drug for me. Um, and like, I don't know. That's that was always a constant. Like throughout my active addiction, the more and more that it progressed, the more and more I realized that I only ever felt like truly good when I was as fucked up as possible um and if I knew that I could do a little bit more and get a little more fucked up then I knew I was I was all of a sudden like oh like I don't feel too good anymore until I reach that next level always trying Um, to get to the top yeah exactly dude exactly but yeah man my uh my my addiction definitely took off big time in college um but it you know it started really taking its roots in in high school for sure um, I don't know, man, growing up in a small rural town, like I was just around alcohol and drugs so much, like all my friends smoked weed and drank in high school. And like, so did everyone else that wasn't my friends. And, you know, some similar high school experience, um, I played sports and, you know, I stayed on top of my schoolwork, uh, definitely lived by the work hard, party hard mentality. Uh, but definitely got to the point where like, for me, it got to the point senior year of high school, you know, I was doing hard drugs any, anytime I had the chance and anytime they were available, um, started seeking them out and like, Oh shit, like so-and-so has Coke, so-and-so has Adderall, whatever, you know, I'd seek it out. Um, whereas for the longest time I, I would always justify it by saying like, Oh, if I'm at a house party and someone has something and they're willing to share, like, okay, you know, I might do a little bit of that. Share. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, but yeah, dude, so, you know, senior year of high school, dude, I was getting fucked up every single weekend, like Friday, Saturday, yeah, Sunday, yeah, yeah, consistently. Yeah. And, um, and like during the school day too, smoking in the mornings before school. Yeah, like, I did that senior year. Yeah. Um, you know, taking edibles in school. I remember, dude, I remember one Friday, me and my boy took cr- these crazy edibles, like first thing in the morning, like first period. And like, we then, we had a lot of classes together throughout the day. Um, so like we then proceeded to get kicked out of every class that we went to together for the rest of the day. Like first, first period, uh, you know, our math teacher like sent us out into the hallway and we were just cheesing, like couldn't stop laughing. And he was like, what the fuck is wrong with you guys? Like you're disturbing the class, get out. And then, you know, we didn't have the next like two classes together. So we went our separate ways. And then we had fourth period together. So as soon as I walked in the room, just, ah, fucking laughing at each other, kicked out again. Um, you know, definitely got busted by my parents, by teachers, um, got busted by the cops for weed and shit in high school too. Um, but it was never, it was never anything serious enough for me to like really face any charges or anything like that. Um, and dude, speaking of the car accidents, man, have I told you the story when I crashed my car? Yeah, it was, it was wild, man. Senior, senior year of high school, flipped my car upside down, drinking and driving three of my best friends in the car with me. Um, and dude, that shit really, really fucked me up. Cause I genuinely thought I killed my best friend. Um, he was in the passenger seat, you know, the car was upside down. He had blood all over his face from a cut above his eye. And, uh, 
know, when we first, like, landed, like, he wasn't moving, he wasn't saying anything, um, and then he, like, finally came to, and, you know, we just talked to each other the whole time until, till the cops and the ambulance and firefighters came, um, but yeah, man, it was, it was fucking wild, because I never faced any, uh, legal consequences, because of that, like, 100% should have really have you, uh, stopped you, though? That's the thing, I, so I, I used to think about it, like, oh, man, if I had just faced consequences, like, that should have been my big wake-up call, um, but, like, who am I to say that? Like, I don't know if that would have been enough to stop me. Because that experience alone should have been enough to stop me. Um, but it clearly wasn't. I told you I did the same. I didn't think I ever told you that I flipped a car, too, with my friends in it. Damn, I, I yeah. Tell you that. I, I don't think I really ever talk about that because it was, like, very... It was before I was, like, in active addiction. Yeah. We were driving home from a bar, and it was my friend's Jeep, and I volunteered to drive because it was close. And we went and get, got a Dutch because we were going to smoke, and... Uh, took the turn onto the main road which his house was a half a mile away and like i guess i stopped paying attention for a second hopped the curb went the car went up hit a telephone pole rolled back on its back and we were upside down yeah i looked around my friends they were coherent and fine uh like a little bloody i like when I saw they were okay, bro, I like crawled out of the car and I ran. I left the scene. Damn. Yeah, man. I ran. I called everybody in my phone book that I was friends with, close with, at four in the morning. And eventually, my mom called me back and I told her she's like, "You need to go back." And I went back. There was like ten cop cars. It was like yeah. mayhem. I was running through the woods and shit. Damn. But they were gonna chase me, and I came back, hands up, like whatever. Similar story, like. When I came back and they were questioning me, I was like saying, I'm so sorry, I shouldn't have done this. And they kept telling me to stop talking about drinking. They kept saying that. They released me to wow, my parents, I guess because it was a single car crash and nobody was hurt. That's that's exactly my, that's the exact same yeah. situation with me. It was a single car crash. No one was seriously hurt. None of my friends or their families pressed any charges. The only people that could have pressed charges were the, the county. Um, they, and dude, at the, when I was at the hospital, I'm like, I, w- I went to the hospital after, after my accident. Um, and they, you know, the cops were there and they took my blood and they sent it to a lab in, in Baltimore yeah, that's so wild. and a year and a day went by and they never got the results for my blood test. You, that, you so they never had, shit. dude, I was so anxious. I was convinced that I was going to get a D, DUI and like that it was going to fuck me up. Um, you know, I thought I probably wasn't going to go to college, shit like that. Well, if there's um, any uh, police from that county listening, Barnes was not drunk. <laughs> but yeah, it's um, it was wild, man. I you know no charges were ever pressed, and you know I kind of I I did af- after that happened. I took a short break from drinking, um, like I didn't drink for a few months after that, um, but I was still getting high and shit. Yeah. Um, but I didn't drink for a few months after that. Um, and then went to college and. Phew, fucking started drinking like crazy again dude like almost like it had never happened man and i still you know like to this to this day i still think about that car accident a lot man um it was dude it was a fucked up situation so something about it that was really fucked up and dude i felt so guilty and ashamed about it um so my mom is my mom's a teacher at the high school that i went to and that year, she was in charge. She had volunteered to be in charge of the mock car accident for prom awareness, drinking and driving awareness for the prom. And it, she was getting emails and like so you were the mock. on Facebook you. talking about how like, oh, like you, you know, the, the woman in charge of, you know, putting on the mock drinking and driving awareness accident. Her son is out, out in our town drinking and driving and almost, you know, he could have killed someone. Um, dude, and that fucked me up so much. Yeah, it's a lot of guilt. I was so, I was, I felt so guilty, so ashamed. Um, You're going to make amends for that? I, I hope so. I hope I'm able to make amends I'm for sure it. you're already making a living one. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, my mom's forgiven me for everything, really. Yeah. Without even making amends, you know? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I love that, man. I love, um, you know, when, when people in recovery say, like, you know some of the best things we can do to make up, you know, and make amends is continue living a life of recovery and stay clean. It's frustrating in the beginning though, because you want people to trust you. Oh yeah. And it takes so oh, yeah. long. It does. And then you have to realize all the shit that you did. 
Yeah, no. but you want them to trust you right away. That was always my problem. Like with many relapses, like I would have a short period of time clean and think that I could just reach out to people and like I was like, oh shit, I'm good. Like I'm in the gym and like oh I'm doing this and then like the reality would set in that like damn it's gonna take a lot more time than this yeah, and I'd be like nah fuck that I'd rather just escape these emotions and go get high again you know yeah. vicious cycle and then this time I took everything slow and then all the people that like cut me off majority of them are back in my life and like now I have a ton of support and uh, uh, yeah. it's a beautiful thing man I've, I have the most supportive family ever man it's something I'm so grateful for like constantly man I, I can't even put into words how how much it means to me to have the support of my family and and that's been a constant man um even I, when i was still out there fucking up um but yeah this uh I, I did i did the same thing this this time around man i i like to say this is my first time like really in recovery like this is my first time like really working steps like you're very involved really getting involved in the program uh, but it's it's not my first time getting clean um first time I got clean was after I got a DWI and uh dude everyone in my life like my parents were all on my ass my ex-girlfriend at the time you know was hitting me with ultimatums <laughs> talking about she's gonna leave me and um dude I was I was fully clean and sober for six months after that um didn't work any type of program um and just kind of was doing it on my own um and then I think I've told you this story before, dude. My 21st birthday. Oh, I, yeah, yeah, I said, I'm going to have one shot of Hennessy. You were the king, so you were gonna, <laughs> you're going to treat yourself with just yeah. one shot. Yeah. And uh, one shot's going to do a lot. Yeah. So, dude, af- after that night, um, I almost fucking died that night, bro. I drank a fifth of Hennessy, snuck a couple Zany bars in there, and, and it, was, it was horrible. Um, and then from that time up until my current clean date, you know, I would get a little clean time. I would go to a couple meetings. Um, but then I would just go back hanging around the same people that I would get high with thinking that I could be the man and like show off that I'm clean and, you know, I can be around all this shit. And, um, and it just brought like, it was miserable. It was miserable. I did not, you know, I didn't put together. I don't even know. Like, I can't even remember the longest clean time I had during that time. Um, and then this, this time around, man, after my last overdose, um, I finally went to rehab. I've only ever been to one rehab, um, and I'm hopefully, you know, <laughs> God willing, it'll it'll stay that way, man. Uh, but yeah, this time I I went to rehab. All the, all the other times that I would like say I'm I'm gonna get clean, you know, I'd go to a couple meetings, like, um, you know, I never could uh, humble myself enough to actually go to treatment, um, and that's that's what would always bite me in the ass. Um, just I just never took it serious. Um, because I didn't want to admit that I needed to, um, you know, I wanted to do this shit on my own. Like this shit will be easy for me. Like I did it for six months on my own. Like I'll do it again on my own. Um, but bro, I never had six months until this time around again. And, uh, you know, this time around going to rehab and then went straight to a recovery house after rehab. And that was the best fucking thing that I could have done. Um, that recovery house saved my life, dude. Um, and I took it slow, man. I didn't, no, I didn't immediately try to go hang out with old friends again like I would always do. Um, you know, I genuinely space, you know, set goals for myself. Like, I don't want to be around anyone who I ever got high with until I have at least a year of clean time. Um, and, you know, really just, just stayed put, took that semester off from school and just focused on working, saving up money and, and going to meetings, following the rules of the house. Um that house was strict, man, <laughs> but it was, it was what I needed to, um, you know, some sort of structure. Um, cause all the other times that I would try to get clean and couldn't, you know, couldn't get more than like a few days or like a week at most after, after my 21st birthday incident, um, I had no fucking structure. No, structure like, at all. Um, and that's what that recovery house did for me, man. It showed me, you know, that if I, if I'm really serious about this thing, I'll take suggestions, I'll take advice and everyone in my life that I know has a lot of clean time. Like structure is very important to them. And it was the most important thing in their early recovery. Um, like I did in 90, did like, I did like over a hundred meetings in my first 90 days this time around. Yeah, no, I, I went to, 
it was hard for me to do a 90 and 90 because I had to work and it was very like balanced, but I think I did like an 80 and 90. Like yeah. I was going all the time. It's, it's stuff like that. Why I, I like to say like this, my first time really in recovery. Um, cause those, that six months that I had clean and sober, like that wasn't recovery, dude. I was miserable. <laughs> that shit fucking sucked. Cause I was still doing everything I was doing. I just wasn't, you know, getting high or drunk. And it, when I was doing it that time, it was basically like a big, fuck you to everyone that was trying to tell me I had a problem. Um, I was doing it for everyone else to get off my ass basically. And like this time around, I finally, for the first time, like humbled myself and said, I, I just want a better life. Um, but yeah, dude. That's and right. Here we are. And here we are. Who would have thought? <laughs> we're filming. We're, we're doing a podcast in uh, Luxury Studio, Times Square, New York right now. <laughs> we made it, boy. We made it, baby. We made it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Word. But yeah, man, dude, I, I really fucking appreciate you coming on, dude. Yeah, but Barnes asked me to do something, whether it's speak somewhere or come on. Like, listen, I, I love talking about this, but like, like we mentioned earlier, life is very busy and I'm, I'm tired, but I'll always support somebody in recovery and like if so, something I say, like somebody can connect with it or needs more guidance or assistance, like I'm, I'm always here. Just not past 8 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll be asleep. It'll definitely be asleep. Alrighty, man. Well, Word. thanks again, cool. dude. I really appreciate it, bro. I gotta always get a ton out of your story, man. I feel like every time I hear your story... No, you slip in a little something more, bro. You're holding out. Yeah, I know. I got a lot. Dude, the, the kidnapping story, man, is is absurd, dude. Yeah, I, when I tell regular people that story, yeah. they're just like, yo, what? <laughs> yeah. And they're like, you don't even seem like traumatized from it. I'm like, well, I mean, I guess I am, but like, not really. I've yeah. done a lot of wild ass shit, you know? Yeah. Dude, for me, one uh, one story that when I tell like non-addict uh, people about it, they always their eyes kind of perk up a little bit. Well, it's actually two. One is my psychosis that I went through, drug-induced psychosis. I thought a Mexican drug cartel was following me. And I, uh, like, threw my phone out the window of my car at a rest stop <laughs> off the New Jersey Turnpike. Um, like, because I thought they were tracking my phone, dude. Like, insanity. Um, and it took me a little while after before I was able to say, like, okay, like, yeah, that was psychosis. That probably yeah. wasn't really what was going on. No. Um, like not at all, bro. You you can take one look at me. <laughs> you can you can take yeah, one look so at important. me you and so think like, dude, no drug cartels, wants you. Yeah, and um, but yeah. So the the other story that when I tell non addicts about, they always look at me like I'm crazy. Is dude, I really tried to fight a Seven Eleven cashier, and the situation was I was I was super drunk, super high, and I thought he'd uh, double charge me on my card. And so I was like, dude, you charged my card twice. Like, you know, we got to work this out. And he was like, dude, I swear I did it. And, you know, I thought he was like fucking with me because he realized that I was, you know, under the influence, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like, oh, I'm going to mess with this drunk kid. And dude, I'm getting in his face. I'm cussing him out. I'm yelling at him. And I'm like, dude, what time are you off? <laughs> <laughs> and it was, it was at night, dude. It was, it was, it was like probably like midnight, a little bit past midnight. And he was like. I'm off at 7 a.m., bitch. Oh and I God. said, I said, bet. And I went back to my apartment at like a little bit past midnight, almost 1 a.m. And from that time, from like 12.30 a.m. up until 6.45 a.m., I was in my apartment, chain smoking cigarettes, <laughs> watching UFC highlight oh reels, and shadow boxing training and, for a 7 and preparing to show back up at the 7-Eleven at 7 a.m. and fight this dude. And I fucking did. I went back there at 7 a.m. and he saw me and he freaked out and there were cops there and I don't know if he called the cops or if it was just cops showing up to 7-Eleven to get their morning <laughs> coffees, but I freaked out too and I bounced. But when I showed up, I was like, remember me? Oh, yeah, you didn't God. think I would show up, did you? And the dude looked terrified because I... I can't even imagine how insane I yeah, looked. Yeah, that would be up like all night, dude. It was it was crazy. One of my <laughs> one of my roommates has a video. It's like four thirty a.m. and and you know on Snapchat how you can do the timestamp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this video is so funny, and he sends it to me every year when uh when the Snapchat memory comes up, and it's like four thirty in the morning, and he hears all this commotion in the living room. He like gets out of his bed, and he's like. 
and what the fuck is Barnes doing? And, he, and the, you know, the POV video goes out into the living room, and I got all this Coke and Adderall on the table. I'm, like, cigarette in both hands, and I'm just, like, flexing my whole body. Like, I'm ready to, like, kill this dude. Like, oh, absurd. Just by myself in the living room, amping myself up to fight this 7-Eleven cashier. You got my eyes wide open right now. That takes Dude, a lot. It's absurd, right? Like, and, uh, bro, and, like, looking back on that, I'm just like, like, who the hell does something like that? Like, it was it was crazy, bro. Like, um, and, like, now here I am, you know, coming up July 14th out of two years clean. And, uh, man, it's it's because of, of the people I've met in recovery, dude. It honestly is, bro. It's I, I love to say... You know, I heard it one time and I love to say it, um, the opposite of my active addiction is connection. Um, you know, meeting people from all different backgrounds, all different walks of life and just hearing their stories and, you know, understanding that I never have to go back to that way of life. Um, never again, man. It's, it's a beautiful thing, bro. Really is. That's a good note to end on. Right there. That's beautiful. <laughs> it definitely is. Dude. Awesome, bro. Well, once again, man, I appreciate you coming out and Thanks for everyone who tuned in this week, and uh, we'll see you guys next Sunday. Later.